Netcasts you love. From people you trust. This is Twit. Bandwidth for the Tech Guy is provided by Cashfly. C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com. Hi, this is Leo Laporte, and this is my Tech Guy podcast. This show originally aired on the premier radio networks, including 150 of the best stations in the U.S. and Canada, and XM Channel 166 on Saturday, May 14th, 2011. This is episode 769. Enjoy. Well, a good day to you. Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And it's time. Yes, it's time for that show. Yeah, it's okay. I'm sure there's something better on another channel. Go ahead. Go ahead. I know. Leave me. I know. You don't want to hear about the latest in technology. You don't really care about cell phones or computers or the internet. That's okay. But if you do, if you like a little hand-holding on the information superhighway, if you'd like to know a little bit about the stuff that's changing our world, hey, this is the place. And by the way, your calls are more than welcome. They're make, what makes the show. So I invite you to go to 8888-ASK-LEO. Phone that number. It's 888-827-5536. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S., outside the U.S. We always get calls from around the world, which is wonderful. Uh, you can uh, call that via Skype out. The new Microsoft Skype out. 888-827-5536. Three six easier to remember eighty eight eighty eight ask Leo you'll find that at our uh, website too techguylabs.com. yeah Microsoft bought Skype nobody could figure out why for eight and a half billion dollars um shake your head now it's no I mean this is these are coins that Bill Gates finds in the couch for him this isn't I mean we're not talking something Microsoft can't afford but it is a little high don't you think. Everybody was shocked when Skype sold in 2000, was it 2005, to eBay for $1.7 billion. You know, it's funny. After all of the um, all of the kind of criticism that Meg Whitman and eBay got for buying Skype for that outrageous amount of money, they made money. eBay sold uh, 70% of uh, its investment in Skype uh, to uh, a variety of investment firms. Uh, last year, kind of getting out from under there, but they still retained thirty percent, thirty percent of eight and a half billion dollars <laughs> is more than one point seven billion. Yes, indeed, they actually made some pretty good money. They made some some bucks on that purchase. I say, you know, a billion dollars in uh, five or six years—that's pretty good. I'll take it. Mark Andreessen, the guy who created Netscape, he made half a billion dollars on the sale. So the question is, why, Microsoft? Why? And if you're a Microsoft stockholder, you might really be asking that question. Uh, they don't need it. They've already got something that does exactly the same thing in uh, MSN uh, Messenger. They have video. They have chatting. Some say, well, this way they gain how many is it? How many customers does Skype have? It's almost a billion, isn't it? Something like that. So uh, maybe it was for the customer base. Robert X. Cringely has an interesting theory, which I kind of subscribe to. You know, the other suitors for Skype were Facebook and Google. Facebook dropped out pretty quick. They couldn't afford it. We got too rich. Google looked at it, thought about it. They had turned down an offer to buy Skype uh, some years ago and uh, I think decided once again not to. 
but it scared the, according to Cringely, and I think he's right, the, the pants. Can you scare the pants off a, a company? Scared the pants off Microsoft. Because uh, if Google gets Skype, it's all over in the telephone business, which I guess Microsoft wants to be in. They spend enough money to say they want to be in it. I think the best the best player in this, the one who could have used Skype, the problem is, see, Microsoft, I don't think they'll even use it. I think they'll just kind of, they'll take the customer base. They'll, somebody in the chat room said, yeah, they're going to rename it Skype Live Messenger. <laughs> Sorry, Skype Live, Skype Home Live Messenger. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think, uh, <laughs> I think they just kill it. I think it goes away slowly. Maybe they leave it around, but it's not a big product. Google didn't need it either. They had Gizmo and other products simpler, easier. They have Google Talk. It's about the customer base, but Facebook. Facebook could have really used it. Imagine. In fact, I would like to have seen this. A button next to Facebook's chat that says, oh, you want, it, you want video too? I mean, it's just it's what they needed. But they couldn't afford it. The, the bidding got so high, so rich, so fast that uh, Facebook just had to bow out. I think maybe they're hoping their buddies, their good pals at uh, Microsoft might help them out. Microsoft, did you know Microsoft owns part of Facebook? Maybe. Maybe. They would they would lay some lay some Skype love on Facebook. I don't know. I don't know. Microsoft paid $14.70 per user for Skype. Four <laughs> But when eBay bought Skype in 2005, they paid 45 bucks a user. So it, it's a good deal. If you use Skype, you're worth $14.70 to Microsoft. $14.70. That's, that's kind of, you know, Microsoft put uh, quite a bit of money into Facebook. When they bought into Facebook, Facebook had 100 million users. So they paid 150 bucks per user to get Facebook. So Skype, you know, 17, 14, 15 bucks per user, that's a good deal. How long will it take Microsoft to make $8.5 billion? Eh, about a four months. Still, that's four months. You know, I mean, that, <laughs> I don't know. Four months, it's like buying a wedding ring, right? They say you should invest uh, four months. Three months' salary into a wedding ring. There you go, or an engagement ring. I uh, I think that's a, an interesting play. I really do hope they let uh, Facebook use it. Now, I'm not really a, bi a big fan of Facebook these days. Did you hear? There are a couple of big stories that I, we will talk a lot about today uh, in Facebook. There's one that's getting all the press, and frankly, I don't know why the press is so interested in this. Apparently, uh, Facebook hired uh, a very well-known PR firm, Burstyn Marsteller to spread dirt about Google, to place articles on blogs saying bad things about Google and privacy. To, I think, essentially, not to really slam Google so much as to distract people from the privacy issues at Facebook. Oh, Google's worse. And they got caught. So, yeah, that's kind of embarrassing. <laughs> they put articles on blogs that hadn't been up for, for years. They, they paid bloggers. They tried to pay one blogger. This is how they got uh, caught. The blogger said, what? And went public with it. So this was inevitable. They were going to get caught. It was just dumb. Whoever thought this up at Facebook, dumb. And that's getting all the press. And you know what? Too bad, because that's not uh, as important a story to you and me as the fact that Facebook has been leaking our private information 
to just about anybody through applications for years. In everything that's on your Facebook page for years to uh, to so, so it's kind of complicated but basically what happened is if you install an application on Facebook and look in your Facebook settings you'll see you probably have hundreds installed I do anytime you say to a to a web application or a, an iPhone app yeah it's okay to use Facebook that in effect is installing an application on Facebook that application has access to all your Facebook data but accidentally by sharing a link to your data with other people, that application can leak out a token that allows those other people, those third parties, to get to your Facebook page and see everything that's on there. Basically, opens up your page, regardless of privacy settings, to anybody who gets this link. Now, Facebook says, well, we're not going to do it that way anymore. We're going to fix that, and we have no evidence that it happened. And, by the way, it would be against the terms of service. Oh, that's good. That'll protect you. It's against our, ter it's against our terms of service to do that. The only way to fix this, by the way, there may be people out there who have your token still, whether inadvertently or intentionally collected. The only way to fix this is to change your Facebook password. So not a bad idea to do that regularly anyway. It might be a good time to change your Facebook password. But I wish that Facebook were saying more about this, that the independent, so-called independent media were saying more about this. That's more important than whether Facebook hired a PR firm to slime Google. Your, all your Facebook information being leaked out for years, that seems to be more important to me. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. There's so much to talk about. We uh, we have a, Google has some big announcements, like their Google Music that happened this week. We'll talk about that and a whole lot more. Apple and Google will be going to Congress to testify about privacy. I think privacy is going to be a big topic, isn't it? 8888 Ask Leo. Let's talk about that and anything else on your mind. I am Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I want to be a billionaire so freaking bad. Buy all of the things I never had. I want to be on the cover of Forbes magazine, <laughs> smiling next to Oprah and the Queen. Well, all you have to do is invent a voiceover internet service, sell it to eBay, then sell it to Microsoft. The guys who created Skype, I don't know how much they finally got, but it was more than a, more than a billion. They did all right. They did all right. That's, and of course, that just fuels that just fuels the gold rush mentality in the Silicon Valley, and people just go crazy, you know. Oh, I want to hang. I've got an idea. I mean, it's it's funny. People sometimes wonder, are we in a bubble these days? Oh, I should say hello, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Just so in case you just tune in, are we are we in a bubble these days? But with the the value of these of these internet companies that make no money just through the roof, and um, it's hard to say. You know, we're not in the kind of bubble that we were in in 1999 when all these uh, big uh, stock offerings were going off. That's That was the bubble when stock valuations went through the roof. Most of these companies are not publicly held. You can't buy stock on Facebook unless you know somebody, right? So how can you say it's a bubble? I don't know. I don't know. 8888-ASK-LEO. What do you think? I don't give stock advice. I'm, in fact, uh, because I cover the industry, I recuse myself from owning stocks in the tech sector. 
because I don't want I don't want to have there be any you know suspicion that I'm saying good or bad things about a company because I do or do not own their stock. So I own no stock, and, and you know what? I'm glad because it's crazy. I don't I couldn't predict how something's going to do. I mean, it's just it's beyond my ken. Doesn't make any sense to me. Let's get to our first call from Dartmouth. Angela, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Angela. Hey, Leo. How's it going? Wonderful. Dartmouth where? In Nova Scotia. Dartmouth, Nova- oh, our Nova Scotian. How are you? <laughs> um, I was wondering, uh, a while back you, you answered this for another film, and I don't remember quite what you, what you advice, all the advice you gave him about it. Um, my friend's got a Facebook page, and she's let it kind of get out of hand in a way that, uh, like, she's a a local country singer in town here, and she's got fans and friends and family all... Oh, mixed and intermixed. Yeah, yeah. separated, but she was wondering if she could change her profile, her, uh, her, you know, what was her personal page into a fan page, or will she have to close it down and kind of just start over? Uh, you can do it. Okay. Uh, it's, uh, first of all, she should create the fan page now. But she's she's done that. She's got the fan page, okay. And uh, after you get, I think it's 20 20 or 30 likes on that fan page, then you can go to facebook.com slash username and pick pick a a good username, Uh, preferably her name or an act or whatever, because that's the one you want to make it easy for people to find. So, for instance, I am, (laughs) I couldn't get Leo Laporte, so I am facebook.com slash the Leo Laporte. And and so if you go there, you won't get my personal page. I made the same mistake. And what happens is the personal uh, page on Facebook is limited to 5,000 friends. Mm-hmm. So you hit that, and two things happen. First of all, you can't ha- have any more. And the second thing that happens is you can't really use Facebook because it's no longer a personal page. It's, you know, it's a public page. Yeah, that's what she kind of she realized she 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 gets in the head, she gets a little too friendly, and she gets realized that it's just because they ask she she agrees, and she realized last, she was saying to me last night she's like, how do I separate this all out? Because <laughs> she yeah. was thinking, can she change her? Easy, she was thinking she could easily if she could easily change the page that she's got into uh, a fan page. Um, she can't. You know, if you know somebody at Facebook, I know people who've done this. Kevin Rose, uh, who founded Dig.com, did this. We all made the same mistake because in the in the early days of Facebook, there wasn't a fan page or a mm. business page. Those things didn't exist. Uh, so he, there is a tool that Facebook has that you can move people over, but you have to know somebody. I don't think they just offer that. Yeah. So what I would suggest you do is um, she or she do is put up a status post on her page saying, Man, I'm having so much fun connecting with my fans on my fan page or my business page. Please like it. Because that's nowadays all you have to do to get to, to people to join that page is they press the like button, right? Mm-hmm. So that will move them over to the like page. Then uh, in, in, a, in, a, in a week or two, uh, after your fans are starting to join the other page, you might put a notice on your status page. Hey, I've decided to make this page be my personal page. Please like my other page. And I'll continue to post updates there and then slowly unfriend people you don't know. It might take a little while. How many how many friends does she have on that page? Oh, she's got a couple hundred. She really well, that won't take that long. That's <laughs> not as bad as five thousand. <laughs> no, she got she really got carried away. And I thought this like you said about the I re, I was telling her about putting a kind of like a post on her personal page. People will understand that saying, Oh, you know, uh, you know, I, I screwed up. <laughs> 
I made this personal page be my, you know, my uh, my business page, and I and I would prefer to uh, have you go over there. But you know, there's ways to do it, kind of, you know, gently move people over there. Yeah. Um, She's not very techy, so she was like looking for the easiest, easiest way to get her done. She's really not tech savvy at all. Yeah, I would just, I would ask people to like, like your fan page. That's all. And you know, as people who do use these automated tool that uh, Facebook came up with really m- kind of angered people because it automatically moves them over to the fan page and and kills them on your personal page. And I don't know if that's the best thing to do anyway. If it's just a few hundred people, do it by hand. And if you're starting a page for your business. This is a good lesson. It does have to be tied to an existing Facebook account. So you are going to create a Facebook account. It could it can be your personal account. That's fine. But uh, don't publicize that personal page. Don't friend people you I think in general on Facebook it's best to friend people you know. Definitely. Like That's in, real, in real life. Yeah, she she kind of got carried. She knows people that are her friends so she she, she doesn't want to hurt nobody's feelings. So it's very hard because it really, you know, now they changed the button. It used to be, I can't remember when it used to be, reject or something. Now it's ignore. But even then, that's harsh. Somebody says, hey, I'd like to be your friend. Ignore them. Yeah. Is that what it says? Or is it says, it says defer it? It says it's it's a little harsh still. Yeah. It's so. A, it has something a little more, uh, like a little, sep- more of a separation between yes and no. <laughs> yeah. I, what does it say now? I think they, it used to say. Except it used to say. It is now. It used to say ignore, right? Yeah. <laughs> that's really rude. Yeah. Um, now it says, oh, well, now it says not now. Oh, I didn't realize that. <laughs> yeah, so they changed friend requests. You have a button that says confirm or not now. That's a little, I mean, it's just as harsh. It's the same exact result as saying ignore. Mm. But a little, uh, little more <laughs> But it's light. a little more, well, it's for you because they don't know. All, all that happens is nothing for, for the people who request. True. Um, there should, look at this stinks. This is a, a stinky system. I'm not, I have to say, I, if, <sighs> I wish I deleted my Facebook account once about a year ago, uh, and it was so satisfying. Uh, but I can't, uh, in good conscience, talk about Facebook if I haven't if I don't use it a little bit. It's a challenge for me because I really don't want to use it. I don't I don't trust them. We know that everything you post on Facebook now will leak out. You cannot control it. Yeah, they'll fix this hole. They say they have, but there's going to be another one. You should always and tell kids this. Always assume that anything you post on Facebook, even though there's the primus, promise of privacy, is ultimately not private. Think of it as anything you put on the Internet. Even if you think you're putting it in a private space, assume it will leak out. Uh, so I tell kids all the time, don't put anything there that you wouldn't want your parents, your friends, your teachers, your future employers to see, the FBI. If it's on the Internet, they will see it. I wish there was something we could do about Facebook, but we we could just have to live with it. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866. The number two, get net. To get DSL Extreme, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. I was wrong. Angela, I hope you're still listening. I hope your friend, the country artist, is listening. And I thank our friends in the chat room who pointed me to, a, this is one of the reasons I have to keep a Facebook account to understand how this stuff works. Facebook has, in fact, got a way to convert a profile into a page. Uh, a couple of ways you could find this information. <laughs> Not obvious. You can go to the Facebook Health Help Center. So if you go to your Facebook account and you, uh, under the account menu on the right, far right, you select Help Center, and then type in, what can we help you with? And type in convert a page. I've tried a number of things. Uh, and the convert a page seems to give you the result. And enter search. And you'll, uh, well, no. Mm-mm. Convert to a page. See, now that didn't work. Their search is terrible. Maybe if you Google it. Yeah, Googling it will probably work. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> There is, I'll give you the URL, it's long. We'll put it in the show notes too at techguylabs.com. Facebook.com slash pages slash create dot PHP question mark migrate. But it, it is a tool that says profile to business page migration. And then you pick what kind of a page you are. Local business company, brand or product, artist, band or public figure. That's what, Angela, that's what your friend, the country singer probably to use. Entertainment, cause or community. And you press that button. And what it does, it says, at this time, only your profile photo and friends, and that's what you wanted to do, will be moved to your new page. No other content will be moved. You will still be able to log in from your original email address and password. I would click learn more because this may have side effects she doesn't like. And again, it's not as friendly, perhaps, as doing it uh, manually. So what I would still do, even knowing that this tool exists, is I would first say, uh, in a status update on your page, hey, I want to move. Uh, I want to make this page be a personal, private page, and move everybody to my fan page. Please like this, and it'll move you over. And do that. And then maybe a week later, do it again and say, hey, next week I'm going to move everybody else who hasn't been moved. The problem is not only will your fans be moved, your friends, everybody's going to be moved. So I would look carefully and see if this is exactly what you want. It might still be better to do it manually, but there is a tool, a migration tool, uh, available from Facebook. Who knew, right? This is I, some of this is is uh, is just the nature of a very successful site. This is part of Facebook's problem: is they have seven hundred million users, they have a huge complex system, very complex. I mean, privacy settings alone, uh, hundreds of them, and so you know, there's stuff in here that um, you'd have you'd have to be a Facebook expert to know, and they change it all the time, so you'd have to kind of constantly be looking for this. So uh, there you go. Thank you, Angela. And Perry in Lompoc, California, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello. How are you, Leo? Thank I, I'm, you. Thank you. I'm well, Perry. Thank you for calling. Thank you. Um, I have a question about my HD TV. And what it is is that I notice sometimes the signal gets really bad and fuzzy. Uh, especially on demand, uh, especially like the sci- uh, science channels, you know, Discovery, History Channel, etc., where you will have a person who has 
some shimmering in their hair, and it just it overshimmers, you know? Right. What you're seeing is uh, digital artifacting. Now, it, it, the thing that's a little different nowadays is that we don't really most of the time have analog channels. I would guess by now that – are you on cable or satellite? I'm on cable. Uh, yeah. Cable – a satellite has no analog channels, but cable – Still had some analog channels until recently, but almost all of cable is digital, which means it's highly compressed and sent to you instead of uh, in analog waveform, but in, in packets. That means it either works or doesn't work. Yeah. You know, that, that that's one nice thing. Analog degrades a little bit. So that's what I remember on the old TV sets, you'd see ghosting or mm-hmm. snow. That was an analog signal that wasn't uh, was imperfect. And so you w- you'd still have a picture. You just wouldn't have a great picture. Digital, it's, it works or not. Yeah. However... However, it sounds like those science channels are being over-compressed. Now, this could either be the channel itself, but much more likely is your cable company. Mm-hmm. And when it's really compressed, you start to see what we call digital artifacting, exactly what you just described, shimmering in hair, strange kind of blurry effect. It's hard to describe it. You know, when you see it, you know it. Sometimes it's a blockiness. You know what you should look at is solid colors, especially black, like a black night sky, and see if you see blocks. When it's a solid color, the compression algorithm takes chunks at a time. And what you get is instead of a smooth color, is you'll get a blocky color. And that's where you really see it. You'll even see that sometimes on uh, on DVDs and, and Blu-ray and, and, and uh, certainly on streaming video from Netflix and things like that. Yeah. So if you're seeing that, that's what's going on. Yeah, you know, I, I also wondered, too, um, you talked oh, more than a year ago with the... Uh the HD uh, gentleman that comes on later later on. Scott in- Wilkinson will be on tomorrow, yeah. Yeah, and you talked about the importance of the HDMI cables. Yeah, I mean, it's there's companies like Monster that will sell you $150 HDMI cables. Yeah. I have not seen any demonstration that these are better, certainly uh, on normal lengths. I guess if you get really long, it could make a difference. Yeah. But anything, anything up to, say, 15 feet, a cheap cable is exactly as good as an expensive cable. Ah, I see. I see. Well, you know, I mean, if you have, you can, you can. This could be created by a bad cable, mm-hmm. uh, if the, or a loose, if it's a loose connection. But again, digital usually works or not. Yeah. So typically, if you're seeing artifacting, that is because the cable company is over compressing it, recompressing it. So I would, I would contact your cable company and complain. Okay. You might, they may actually roll a truck out and give you a new box because that could be something going on with the box. Uh, yeah, we, we could also, you know, uh, drive down just a couple miles here and, uh, you know, go to their office here and get a new one, you know. They know what's going on. They're over-compressing it. Who's your cable company? You know what, Leo? Uh, the, the Blu-ray player never, ever does that. No. <laughs> Guess what? It has a lot more bandwidth, doesn't it? Ah, uh, yeah. So, so cable companies, in order to get 500 or whatever it is channels you've got on that copper, because that's what they've got, that's why they went digital. They compress and they digitize, and you can get much more data on that copper. What they do is they'll look at channels that are less popular, mm-hmm. and they'll compress them more because they don't want the complaints. You won't see ESPN compressed as heavily. Ah, so, oh, I see. See the science. So that's what you should do is check, like, check ESPN or your local networks yeah, HBO. Check a premium channel. See how that looks. If that looks fine and science channels look bad, well, guess what? Yeah, yeah. But you know what? I was watching uh, Dr. Uh, Phil yesterday uh, afternoon, you know, and the subject was... Well, his hair always looks a little weird. I don't... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. What there is of it. Yeah, and 
you know, it's amazing how you could see, uh, you know, the bald part of his head. You, you could see that there's makeup on there and everything else. <laughs> it's amazing. HD, I know. I feel so bad for uh, television personalities because, you know, when I go, when I do Regis and Kelly, mm-hmm. they went HD early on. And Kelly actually did a, a sitcom that had HD. And uh, Kelly's amazing. She is, for somebody so beautiful, she is so not vain. Uh, I'm amazed. But they did, for a while, use airbrushes <laughs> for the makeup. So oh. you'd go in. You've seen them airbrush T-shirts. It's got a compressor, and they got the airbrush, and they'd spray paint your face. They said, "Close your eyes." And why? The reason they did that is because it gives you a much smoother effect. You don't see the powder, but in HD, with a normal makeup, you can see little dots of powder. You can see streaks. You can see all sorts of stuff you don't want to see. But his his signal though yesterday afternoon, and, I, and this is one of the first times I watched him in, in a while. It was about mail. It's okay, you don't have to apologize. Mail order brides from Russia. It was really good, but the one of the mail order brides was on there, and she had shimmering hair, and uh, it did not. So you were seeing that artifacting even with Doctor Phil? Oh no, no, no! It it looked perfect. Yeah, that's because they don't compress Phil. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. As always, Kyle picking great music. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. That's the phone number. Can I give a plug? A personal plug? Is that all? Is that allowed? I don't. I don't usually do those. But uh, I thought, um, all right, I'm going to do it. I don't know. If, if I get in trouble, I'll uh, I'll pay the fine. The uh, I don't know. Is there a fine? I don't know. I hear everybody else doing personal plugs. Howard Stern does personal plugs. Don Imus sold bricks, didn't he? So we're building a new studio for the Tech Guy Labs. Uh, and uh, it really is it's mostly about the podcast network, which is called Twit. In fact, the new studio is called the Twit Brick House. Uh, because it's a beautiful brick building down the road, about 10,000 square feet. I'm really excited about it. It'll be not just for this radio show, but for uh, several dozen other shows that we do, including on Friday nights. I'm so excited. We're going to do a LAN party. So uh, people will be able to uh, come to the – we'll have enough room. They can get on a computer. They can play against each other in the in the Twit Brick House, but also against other people online, things like that. It'll be fun. Uh, and we are we were setting up a wall in the entranceway for people to to put their own bricks up there. You could buy a brick, 128 bucks. You could buy a brick, put your name on it, your Twitter handle, your Facebook page, whatever you want. And it'll it'll be kind of the wall of honor of people who have helped support it cuz it's expensive, frankly. I got the idea from uh from uh Fenway Park and uh and uh, AT&T Park here in San Francisco that you know, they have these these gardens or whatever and people buy bricks and you know, it's kind of cool. So we are doing that. And uh, you can find out more about that by going to bricks, B-R-I-C-K-S dot T-W-I-T dot T-V. Bricks dot twit dot T-V if you'd like to get one. But, you know, it's not really for – I hesitate to plug it on the radio show because it's really more for the people who listen to the, uh, the, the super geeky podcasts. More for, more for you guys. And, by the way, Angie is in our chat room and says she got the information. She was going to get the information to her country singer friend. So that's great. 
We do have a great chat room. You can find that at uh, the website, techguylabs.com. Techguylabs.com. Chat room is linked there. The video, audio versions of the show you can download after the fact. There's even a video version you can download now uh, of the show after the fact. And, uh, of course, the notes that James DeRuvo writes down with, the, with links to everything I talk about, including that Facebook migration page, which is a ridiculously long URL. So we'll just put it in the show notes. TechGuyLabs.com. Richard's in Redondo Beach, California. Our next caller. Hi, Richard. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Oh, great. How are you doing? I'm well. Welcome to the show. Yeah, I'm, I'm watching you uh, right now. Uh, I like the Aloha shirt you had on a couple weeks ago. <laughs> Sometimes I'm famous kind of for those shirts, but sometimes I just like to calm down. I'm just wearing a simple purple shirt. Uh, my wife just walked by me. I was, she's kind of ticked off because I'm using, I'm sitting uh, watching you on her iMac that I bought. Uh, <laughs> hey, how does she like it? Are you are you happy with it? Oh, she, uh, she well, I hate to say it, but she's addicted to Farmville. Oh, no. Did you see that Lady Gaga is going to uh, release her new album in Farmville? They're calling it Gagaville. Right, it's amazing. I I I, I don't want to get involved because I might get addicted to. I don't know. Stay away. Stay away. <laughs> I I had to actually. I actually. Uh, there should be a twelve step program for these farming games. I was playing one on the uh, iPad called We Rule, and I and I realized after I literally I probably spent a few hundred bucks on this thing because you you know they. It's free. The programs are free. Farmville's free. But they but they say, but if you want your farm to grow faster, you could buy this special doohickey. And, and you know, the doohickeys add up after a while. Good. I didn't even want to, I don't even want to look at what I, so I finally, I just, I went cold turkey. And I've been, you know, I was shaking for a few days. I would get up in the morning and say, what about my cauliflower? I haven't harvested. But, oh, yeah, that's right. I don't need to anymore. Well, I, Terrible. I, I bought her an egg timer, the, the old-fashioned kind that you have to turn the dial in it. <laughs> You know, I, my, you're like my wife. My wife, like, she, she says, she doesn't say it anymore, but I would be sitting at the breakfast table farming. She said, what are you doing? I said, farming. She said, why are you spending so much time farming? I said, it's relaxing. It's a, it's, I think of it as like a, it's like a hobby. It's like knitting. She said, if you were knitting, we'd have socks. We got nothing. Stop farming. Go out in the garden. We have some actual garden you can work in. No, no, that would get my hands dirty. I just it's to... amazing. I, but it, she keeps in contact with my brother back in Maine. and Yeah, I mean, that's, the, that's how they get you because, uh, and this is brilliant. I've heard a number of people talk about the psychology of this. These, the people who do Farmville, Zynga, Z-Y-N-G-A, they're a very successful company. Uh, and, and one of the secrets is it's, it's a game of social compulsion uh, because what happens is you could, stop, you could play it, maybe you could stop like I did, but the problem is you have all these friends that you have these deals with, like you'll clean their farm if they clean your farm, and they get mad at you. They say, you can't quit. That's right. So you're stuck. That's right. Even if you wanted to stop. That's right. It's horrible. I, I mean, we're laughing, but you know, if you think about it, it's kind of creepy. Well, These guys have figured out a way to, to really uh, brainwash us. We can be doing anything. We do, and she'll say, "Oh, I've got to check my crops or something." Yes, yes. That's the other way they work. By the way, my friend uh, Corey Doctor observed this. He said uh, they figure out a way to get you always thinking about the game because you always have to because you have to check because your crops go bad if you don't harvest them. That's right. That's, that's it. So you're always thinking about it. It is a brain worm. It should be illegal. I mean, this is. I mean, obviously, it's not. It can't. But it just. It's. Oh. Yeah. 
by the way, she <sighs> she just passed behind me, and she said, "You look just as young as you did on Tech TV." I actually look younger. I have a a big portrait in the uh, <laughs> closet that's getting just yeah. Old. So wave wave hello to Joni. She's hi Joni. How are you, <laughs> Joni and Richard? Everybody now, jo- now Richard. I'm gonna, we got to take a break, but I, I want to when I come back, you want to buy a laptop for your granddaughter, and I think that's very sweet. Right. And I'll help you do that in a second, okay? Thank you much. In fact, one of the things I'm going to tell you about is Carbonite.com. This company was created. We're going to do an ad now. I just want to make that clear. <laughs> this is an ad, paid advertisement. Uh, I happen to think it's a great solution, and it's, it's part of what you should put on a laptop if you're sending a laptop with a kid to college or any laptop. You know, laptops get lost and stolen by the thousands. I, I, I can't remember what the number was, but something like 700,000 a year or get left behind at airport security screenings. They get lost. Hard drives die. Uh, disaster happens. And unfortunately, think about this. Do you have stuff on your hard drive, on your laptop or your desktop, that you don't have a copy of anywhere? If that hard drive died or that laptop was lost or stolen, what would you do? Would it be gone? It'd be gone, wouldn't it? That's why you got to have a good backup. And that's why I tell people about Carbonite, especially for uh, mobile computers, because Carbonite, whenever you're online, even at a coffee shop, anywhere, securely, safely uploads your data, backs up your data, to the Carbonite cloud where it's safe. And you can get it back anytime. In fact, you don't even have to wait for a disaster. It's also kind of like the ultimate online storage. Very affordable. On that laptop, all the personal files on that internal drive for less than 5 bucks a month, $59 a year. Boom. It's To me, it's a no-brainer. I sent my daughter when I sent her to college, her first year of college last year, absolutely had Carbonite on that laptop. You should get it. Try it free for two weeks. Go to Carbonite.com. Offer code LEO for two weeks free. You don't need a credit card. You decide to buy 14 months for the price of 12, two additional free months, as long as you use my name, Leo. Carbonite.com. So much value for your valuable files. You've got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. All right, plug done, Richard. I can come back I can come back to you and uh, talk about a laptop. So your granddaughter's going to college? Yeah, uh, nursing at um, Bakersfield, Cal State, That's CSU. fantastic. And you're right. You cannot nowadays go to college without a laptop. No, we're all chipping in for it. And uh, the two that I had in mind is the, either a Dell or Lenovo. Uh, uh, Costco has a Lenovo, and, and I guess they changed it from the uh, uh, it used to be the IBM Think, ThinkPad. Yeah, Lenovo makes the ThinkPads. They bought it from IBM. They're very good. They're solid. They have among the best keyboards. I would say un- unequivocally the best laptop keyboards out there. Um. <clears throat> Uh, do you want? Does she now? You have to ask her some questions. Is it going to be a surprise? Uh, no. Um, I would. A couple of things I would do. I would check first with the college to see if there's discounts at the college. Often the college bookstore has a deal. Oh. Uh, I would also check with the college to find out if they have a Windows or Mac preference. Nowadays, nobody. I don't think anybody does, but it's worth checking. Uh, but she'll know if she's going into nursing, and maybe there are a bunch of applications she needs that run only on Windows or whatever. So she'll know what she needs. Um. Ask her about weight. If she's going to carry that to class, then a very a thin and light is a better idea than a, a thicker, heavier notebook. On the other hand, if it's going to be kind of her desktop computer in her dorm room and only there, then uh, then you might want more power. You might not want to worry about battery life so much, you see. Okay. But I do think, in general, the, the two you've just said, Dell and, uh, and Lenovo, are excellent for Windows laptops. They are, in fact, the two companies I'd recommend. 
The, the main problem, though, is support. I mean, if some- Okay, hang on, because that's a big, big problem. And there's actually a better answer for support. Stay tuned. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Stephanie Boston, Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, hi. Can you hear me? Hi, Stephanie. Welcome. Yeah, good to see you. What can I do for you? Um, I am a brand new ebook author, and I was wondering if you had any tips or advice on kind of publicity and marketing for me. So far, I have a t- how exciting! Like, oh yeah. What's your What's your ebook? Um, my ebook is running with. The name of the book is called Running from Secrets, and I actually have a couple of others that I'm working on, but so far, that's the only one, and I write up. Are you selling it on uh, Amazon? Yes, I'm selling it on Amazon. I have recently just done a print version through CreateSpace. I'm selling it on the Nook. Um, I eventually want to get it on iBooks, but they have some issues with the uh, ISBN, like you have to you have to buy an ISBN and everything, and I'm still working on that. Um I think this is good. I'm already seeing. I, I searched for Running From Secrets. Google immediately suggested your name, which is excellent. Um, I see that it's on Goodreads. You're an author on Goodreads. That's a very good idea. That's a social site for readers. That's mm-hmm. a very good start. Um, let's talk some more about this. I think you've done many, many things right, including calling a radio show and plugging it. We'll talk some more. Stay on the line. We'll talk some more after the news. Leo Laporte, or after the break. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the phone number if you have a question, a comment, a suggestion. You want to talk high tech. Stephanie's on the line. She's an author. I love this, Stephanie. Is this your first book? Hey, can you hear me? Yeah. Is this your first book? Um, well, it's the first book I'm publishing. I, I've, I've been writing since I was a teenager, but I, the very first book I wrote, I, I decided not to publish. It was a... Uh, that was I, I well, you've, better. You, you've obviously been doing your research because you've done, you know, all of the things that these days I would recommend. For instance, uh, you've chosen CreateSpace, which is Amazon's print-on-demand service. So you have an ebook, but now you also have a print version. Mm-hmm. You can buy the book on Amazon because you're working with Amazon. Mm-hmm. Uh, they help you with some things. You've got a Facebook page. You've got you're on good. You're on Goodreads. You're on Shelfari. Those are two of the big social networks for readers. Uh, now the thing is to you, you know you've got you've got the website stephanievoid.com. Yep. S t e p h a n i e v o i d dot com. What's is the book fiction or nonfiction? Oh, it's it's fiction. It's- uh, and is it is it young adult? Um. Yeah. This one is. Although I, yeah. I adult and young adult. Just- well, the reason I ask is uh, when you're publicizing a book, you want to go to, or anything, and, 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 and I'm going to generalize my, my advice to you, but I have to say you've done this. That's a beautiful page. You've done everything exactly right. Thank you. Um, well, and it figures because uh, you're a, a, the younger generation that understands the Internet. Mm-hmm. So this isn't a foreign language to you, but uh, you know, people my age want to do this. It's kind of, where do I begin? 
But you obviously understand Facebook and Twitter and Goodreads and all that stuff. But but I'll give you some some general advice that everybody should consider, which is figure out where your audience is, your potential audience, who's going to read this book, and go to where they are. So where do you know Facebook is a good start? Where do young adults hang out? Um, do readings at bookstores or schools? Uh, what you have to do is, some have said that uh, you know to start a, a movement, to get, and this is what you want to do: you want to go viral because you know I see, for instance. You have the Facebook page, but only 49 people have liked it. You want to get 490,000 people liking it, right? Yeah. So how do you get from 49 to 400,000? Well, it turns out it's the first 1,000 that matter. So that's a little easier target, 1,000 than 400,000. So let's go for that first 1,000. And what happens is if you've got a good book, and I'm sure you do, you've got a good product, you've got a good blog or a good record or whatever it is that you're trying to sell, the fir- you get those first thousand, they will then get you to the next level. It's all word of mouth, ultimately. So how do we get the first thousand? That'll make it easier for you to, first of all, to, to attack, because mm-hmm. it's a little harder to say, I've got the first million. No, no, first, first 1,000 is all you need. Uh, and I think you're doing all those things. I mean, uh, you, you know, uh, sometimes you have to give things away to get people interested in you. That means perhaps doing some speaking, going to schools. Uh, bringing your book, uh, things like that. You you don't have to get the you don't have to get a lot of people, but if you think in terms of a thousand, and you know that every time you speak at a school, twelve kids will read your book and love it. It doesn't take too long to get to a thousand, does it? That's very true. Yeah, that's it, much easier if you think that way. And I think you're smart because this is your first book. This book is the first brick in the wall. You're doing, you know, you. Mm-hmm. This is the. But if you start now. A lot of people say, you know, I want to, I want to go viral right away, first thing, and you know, most overnight successes take years. Oh, I've so been you're, you're, working on this for a really long time. Of course, you have, and and you're young, and you're still, you know, working on it. But boy, you've got a great start. I'm very impressed by the page. Uh, you, you know, you've got the the Amazon. You're selling it on Amazon. You know, that's fantastic. Um, the Amazon allows author blogs. Part do you're going to be doing a lot of work. Mm-hmm. from day one, but remember, each person that you win over, each person who reads your book and likes it, mm-hmm. is spreading the word for you. Do you have a Twitter account? Yes, I do. Yep. Uh, think, Stephanie Void, okay. Think about, by the way, I don't know if that's your real name, but that's a great name. Oh, no, it's it's not my real name. My real name yeah. You don't have to say your real, don't say your real name on the air, but it, but I think it's good that you didn't use your real name. You used a memorable name. Uh-huh. Okay. Smart. People are going to remember Void. <laughs> right? That's probably why you changed it. Yeah. 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 I mean, it's also for privacy and other things. I think that's a good idea. Uh, I just, I think this is all, you You obviously have kind of an innate knack for marketing. Uh, it's harder, you know, because uh, uh, you're doing it all yourself. But I can tell you right now, I was talking to, uh, this morning, I talked to a uh, very well-known radio personalities one on on one of our stations Mm -hmm. and uh he said he has a great radio voice he said leo i heard you talking about create space tell me i want to publish a book now he's he's you know old school and so he has to learn all this stuff that you know innately stephanie because you and your friends have been doing this since you were a kid Hmm. Uh, but he'll learn it uh he has an advantage because he's got a name for himself he could plug it on his radio show um and uh, helping me, and in case there's anybody listening who's 
listening who is also trying to be a, a you know an, an online author, there are lots and lots of people out there who are book bloggers who do nothing but read books and put up reviews. Perfect. Of- Perfect. Amazon has a program like that too for people who review Amazon books, where you set, send a few free copies to these people to get their reviews on your Amazon page. Oh, um, really? Okay. Yeah, you should inquire about the Amazon reviewers program because uh, because all of that helps, right? It, and, and as I said, get, sometimes you have to give it away to get it started. Uh, this is especially true for performing artists, musicians, and so forth. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, selling, don't you know? You can't expect to sell your music for a lot of money right off the bat. Sometimes you have to. Uh, Give mm-hmm. it away at first. But you're building. Remember that what, what's changed is we used to think of uh, uh, this as kind of building an audience or building uh, customers. And now we think of it as building community. And boy, I'll tell you, a community will get you a lot farther in the long run than customers. Don't think of building new customers for your business. Think of building a community around what you do, people who love what you do, who are fans who say, this is great, I want to tell other people about it. Those people are so much more valuable than just a customer. Hmm, okay, or, or a reader, right? The book bloggers, the good people on Goodreads and Shelfari who will say, hey, you've got to read this Stephanie Void book. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, all of that, you know, you've made it easy for them to get. You've got the blog, you've got the Amazon, you know, you've, got, you've made it easy for them to get. Now your job is, as you figured out, marketing is, is getting them to know about it. Mm-hmm. But I think you could, I think you you've got a pretty good handle on this. And folks, if you want to know more, Stephanie Void S T E P H A N I V O I D dot com is her website. That is the first thing, isn't it? Get the darn website. I you know I when I see an author who doesn't have a website for the book, I think, what are you thinking? <laughs> How can what what are you thinking? But you've done everything right. You've got the like buttons. You're you're going to tweet now. Sometimes uh, with Twitter, you know, you don't have very many followers to begin with. You got to start putting stuff on your Twitter account that would be of interest to your community. You're building community with Twitter, right? So maybe links to like books, books you like, uh, insights on how to write. Maybe as you learn this process in marketing it, what you learn there, get people to follow you, uh, and they'll follow you because you're saying things that are interesting to them that they learn from. Okay, good idea. You got to give back. You build community by putting it out there and giving back, and then they'll give to you. Cast your bread upon the waters. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Good luck, Stephanie. Great book. I think this is exciting. I wonder, wonder who wrote the book out loud. This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by my internet service provider, DSL Extreme, for high-speed internet at an amazing price. Call 866-2-GET-NET to get DSL Extreme. Leo Laporte, the Tech Guy. Somebody's just asking me in the chat room about our uh, new ham radio podcast. I'm really excited about that. It's called Ham Nation. <laughs> I love the name. I am not hosting it. I'm not on it. Well, I might be a I might be a guinea pig, but I won't be a host of it. The uh, I mean, I don't know anything about ham radio, but Bob Heil, 
who makes all my microphones and is a brilliant uh, sound guy and a big fat ham <laughs> will be hosting it. Uh, and uh, his first guest will be another very well-known ham who also happens to be a pretty proficient musician, a guy by the name of Joe Walsh of the Eagles. In fact, Joe uh, composed the theme song for Ham Nation, which is which is pretty cool to have a theme song written by by Joe Walsh. He used the uh, dit, 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 dot 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 uh, the Morse code for ham uh, in it, which I think is is pretty cool. I think I can, I can find that. It's it's pretty awesome. Uh, anyway, we'll start that show uh, on uh, the 24th of the month. And the reason I might be part of it, actually, is uh, they're convincing me I should become a ham. Now, I already happen to think I already am a ham. But uh, they, they've convinced me that if I, uh, if I listen to the show, uh, I can learn to get I can get the technical license and I can be a ham, they say, very quickly. So that'll be kind of, uh, kind of interesting. So you can see that live.twit.tv on the 24th in about 10 days. If you're a ham or you're interested in hams. I know, the reason I mention is I know we have a lot of hams who listen. This is the, uh, if, do you know your Morse code? Do you know your, your dots and dashes? Do you know what that is? It's H-A-M. <laughs> and this is the music that uh, Joe Walsh wrote. As the theme song. Isn't that cool? I might steal this for the radio show. <laughs> It'd be kind of fun. You know, people um, forget how important hams are. They think, oh, it's a hobby, you know, kind of old school, old fashioned. But really, when there's disasters, as happened in Alabama recently, uh, of course, in New Orleans with Katrina... The hams are the first people on the scene. They're the people who get the information out. Those guys stay on the air 24-7 to help people out. So I think that's kind of cool. Isn't that great? Wow. So uh, I'll tell you more about Ham Nation. You can find out more at our uh, page, twit.tv, when the show uh, goes on the air. I think on the 24th with Bob Heil. It'll be a lot of fun. Larry, Manhattan Beach, California. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Larry. Hi, Leo. How are you? Welcome to the show. Thanks. What can I do for you today? Oh, um, I've got a son who's going to the European Maccabi Games in Vienna, Austria, and uh, I'm trying to figure out how to talk to him while he's there. Wow, that's cool. What are they? What kind of games are they? Uh, the Maccabi Games is sometimes referred to as the Jewish Olympics. This is the European version this year in Vienna, Austria, from July I think fifth to thirteenth. He's wow. a junior badminton player, representing U.S. in badminton. Oh, that's awesome! Yeah. So he'll be in Austria. You know. Um, yeah. Now. Well, Verizon makes it a little tough unless you have Verizon does make some world phones, but most of their phones are not going to work in Austria. So what do you recommend? How do we do it? Skype. Well, it doesn't have. A, it's not taking a computer. <laughs> okay. Is he taking um, a smartphone? Uh. No, he's got, right now he just has a regular phone. So we have just a just a feature phone. Uh, yeah, if he had an iPhone or an Android phone, you could put Skype on that phone. He could find Wi-Fi somewhere because that way it'll be free. Right. And uh, and then he could call you uh, if you know if you both had iPhones, you could use FaceTime, uh, another way to do video calls, uh, and those are free as long as they use Wi-Fi. 
The problem, of course, is data uh, phone calls are very expensive to Austria. I mean, you could call his phone. Yeah. It cost him, you know, several dollars a minute. On both ends. Yeah, on both ends. Yeah, we checked that one out. Can he? Yeah. Can can is there some way I could arrange prearrange for him to get a European cell phone that would be available to him when he got there? Uh, yeah. See, again, this is the issue is because you have Verizon. Uh, there are uh, Verizon and Sprint use a standard called CDMA. We're kind of at a disadvantage in the U.S. because uh, cell phones were invented here, so we have two different kinds of cell phone technology: CDMA which is the older technology, and GSM, that's what T-Mobile and AT&T use, that's the technology that's used around the rest of the world. So if you are a T-Mobile or a AT&T customer, you can just take your phone with you, and it'll work. You can even buy a local SIM chip, which is this little uh, electronic chip, pop out the AT&T or T-Mobile SIM chip, and in some cases, if the phone's unlocked or you get it unlocked before you leave, you just pop that SIM chip in, you'll have a local phone can't do that with a Verizon phone unless it's specifically a, um, a world phone. So a couple of things he could do. He could go back to the Verizon folks and say, I need a world phone for the trip. My suggestion is, you know, at, at the uh, Maccabi Games, they're going to have, I'm sure, internet cafes that the athletes can use. He'll probably be able to use a computer with Skype on it. I can bet, I can almost guarantee you that all the other athletes will be Skyping home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, that's a great idea. Now, you, yeah, I mean, that would be the way to do it because then it's free, it's video. He could talk to you, his family. Uh, you have a computer, I'm sure, at home. I'm sure the rest of his family does as well. Sure, sure. So all he needs to do is find an Internet cafe, and he could Skype from there. Uh, you can also buy an unlocked GSM phone. This might be the best thing to do. I actually bought one for this purpose, express purpose. It's a phone that um, you can get on Amazon if you just search for unlocked GSM. Um, you get a cheap Nokia phone. It won't be expensive. And then when you get to Austria, you go to, usually it's a, it's a, the post office. In most countries, it's the post office. Uh, sometimes newsstands or tobacconists uh, will have SIM cards you can buy. Uh, certainly the cell phone company stores will also have SIM cards you can buy with a certain number of minutes. It will give him a local number, and it will give him a certain number of minutes on that phone. Won't be any cheaper for you to call him. You'll now be calling an Austrian number. Oh, okay. But he he'll at least have a local phone that he can use there. Oh, okay, I'll consider all of that. All of that. Yeah. So there's the advantage of AT and T. Hey. There is the main advantage of AT and T or T Mobile, and it's one of the reasons that I always have a GSM phone because I travel a lot. Uh, usually, it's my iPhone. There are other issues. I mean, it's not cheap necessarily. It just means it works. <laughs> Right. There are other issues. For instance, if it's a locked AT&T or T-Mobile phone, you can't put a SIM chip in it from another carrier. Uh, you will be paying roaming charges. I always call the uh, call AT&T before I travel, say, A, I'm going to be traveling to these countries. Uh, give me a – they have a less expensive phone plan, but still it's 70 or 80 cents a minute. And then you also buy international data at a buck a megabyte, but it's cheaper than doing the roaming data. Uh, those are all things you do before you leave. But, you know, another thing you could do, and this is actually a good idea, just just love this idea from Dr. Dad in our chat room, oh. buy a uh, iPod Touch. Load it up with some music and stuff for him. It's kind of like a going away gift. And it will have on it, you could put Skype on it, and all he has to do is find Wi-Fi, and he can call you for, with that. We have Free. a couple of iPod Touches. There you go. There's your solution right there. That's fantastic. 
an iPad or an iPod Touch, you put uh, Skype or use FaceTime if you have uh, uh, other iPod Touches. FaceTime only works on Wi-Fi, but, uh, you know, that's free. The athletes will certainly have places they can use Wi-Fi. How, how exciting. Wish him the best. Good luck to him. So if anybody wants to check it out, uh, the uh, website for the games is uh, www.emg, that's for European Maccabi Games, 2011.eu. E- a- E-M-G. 2011. 2011.eu. .eu. We'll put that in the show notes, Larry. Good luck to your nephew. That's exciting. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 8888. Ask Leo your calls next. Laporte, the tech guy, 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number. If you have a question, a comment, a suggestion, you want to talk about high-tech, Kevin, in New York, New York. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Kevin. I'm doing pretty good, Leo. Long time. Welcome. What can I do for you? Um, I got a quick question about my um, Dell Latitude computer. It's a very old, old uh, laptop computer. Old, old laptop computer. When you say old, how old? It has a Pentium 3 processor. Okay, just that's good. That tells me enough. You know, they they say dog years are about, what, seven to one? So for every year a dog lives, it's a seven human years. I haven't really figured out what the computer year thing is, but I would say it's probably like 15 or 20 to one. So if you have a five-year-old computer... Yeah, that's about right. That's about 75-year human in human age. If you have a 10-year-old computer, it's 150 years old. <laughs> so you have an old, old computer. Yes, and I managed to um, have um, Ubuntu on it. Right, right. Oh, good. That's great. I mean, that's a very good choice for an older computer. Put Linux on it, and, uh, and it usually will run pretty well. Yeah, well... I've been keeping it up to date, but it's as slow as a dog. Hey, my dog resents that. He's pretty fast. (laughs) Yeah, it's not going to get any faster, is it? Now, there are versions of Ubuntu Linux and other Linuxes that are designed for older systems. Uh, I would look at, for instance, Ubuntu, X-Ubuntu, which is designed for slower systems. The current Ubuntu... Uh, is really probably not the right choice for an older system. Mm. Um, so look around for uh, Linuxes that uh, are designed for the older systems among us. Mm. Um, however, I mean, it's I, I hate to say I hate to say uh, throw it out because it's perfectly good. I mean, in fact, when you got it ten years ago, it probably felt pretty snappy. Mm-hmm. Um. I would say getting an older version of Linux on there, maybe not trying to do a graphic user interface, but a text-based Linux is probably fine. Um, there's a, uh, you know, I mean, Linux runs on netbooks, which are probably not much slow, faster than uh, what you've got. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you really want, what do you want to do with your uh, laptop? Um, mainly like typing and like light internet use. 
Yeah, I think that'd be fine. Doing emails and stuff like that. Yeah, it'd be fine. As long, I mean, you don't want to do Skype on it or, uh, you know, edit edit photos or videos. I think you're all right. Okay. I have a um, quick, uh, another quick side question. Sure. Um, I got a um, newer AT&T phone about, like, five months ago. The screen cracked on me. I tried calling two AT&T stores, and they pretty much told me, pay $50 or, or you can't get an upgrade because Ugh. I used uh, my upgrade for that newer phone. It's a feature. Right. So right. now I don't know what to do with a broken phone. Uh, you know what's interesting is that there are companies, not your phone company, obviously, because they want the money, but we'll fix that. Um, there's a iPhone repair company just up the road a piece that I uh, uh, I go to a lot because my son seems to break his iPhone every five days, and instead of buying a whole new phone uh, for a hundred bucks, I can replace the screen. I don't know about that particular phone, but I would Google online for uh, cell phone repair. There are people who do it, and if they can get the parts, it's probably fairly easy. It's an issue, of course, whether they can get the parts depending on the phone. Um, somebody, somebody sent me an email saying, I, I am tired of hearing all the callers with old computers. Just tell them to buy a new computer. Well, I'll be, I'll be honest. I, I don't, I think, you know, computers are expensive. Not everybody can afford a computer. If you've got a piece of hardware that, that even if it's 10 years old, that you can make use of that it will work with an old version of an operating system. Why the heck not? Now it's interesting this week. Google announced something they call uh, the, the uh, what do they call them? Chromebooks. They are designed to be kind of like netbooks. In fact, they basically are netbooks, but instead of putting Windows on it, they just put their new version of their Chrome OS. It's an operating system based on the browser on there. So it's very undemanding. You don't need a lot of hardware. It's also much more secure uh, because, well, it's dumb. I'd be very interested to see how this sells. Netbook sales have really declined because people realize that a tablet, an iPad, perhaps would be a better choice. Uh, that you get what you pay for, and a two hundred fifty dollars computer isn't very good or very usable. Uh, I, I, I think the jury's still out. I do think there's one perhaps very good market for the Chromebooks, and that's schools. And Google is offering. You know, a couple of companies are making them. I think Toshiba and Samsung. Uh, and Google is offering um, one of these models for 20 bucks a month for students. That's it. That includes Internet access, everything. Now, that's for a school, that might be an a, appealing thing. You get a, get a computer in the kids' hands. Because it's uh, kind of limited, they're not going to be playing you know, games on it. Uh, they'll be using it. It's very, by the way, they have lots of ways that a school or a business can lock it down and keep the kids from doing things on it that they don't want to do. I think this is... Maybe that's the market for it. Be interesting to see. Twenty bucks a month is about right for a student, right? Eighty-eight, eighty-eight. Ask Leo. Let's take a break. When we come back, I have many, many more calls. Our next call will be uh, Anthony in Azusa. He has some spyware, and he wants to know what to do about it. Rogue spyware. Uh, but before we do that, what? Uh, Kyle, tell me again. Is it? Uh, it's not thirty-two. Perfect timing. Time to talk a little bit about protecting your system online with Nod32 antivirus for Mac or PC. Yeah, there's an interesting debate going on. I'll talk about this next hour about whether uh, 
the Mac, we should, as Mac users, be worried. Some say, oh, you're just crying wolf again. But I have to tell you, there's a Mac Defender virus out there. We're starting to see him. And uh, I think it's the case that we have crossed the line. There's a line of market share that people who use Macs have been able to stay under the radar for the bad guys because not enough Macs were out there. There are enough out there now. And Mac users, for the most part, are sitting ducks because they don't use security software. That makes us more attractive. That's why ESET created cybersecurity for the Mac. doesn't slow you down like their famous Nod32. It's fast. It's effective with a very sophisticated heuristics engine that catches viruses, even targeted viruses, before they bite you. ESET, cybersecurity for the Mac. They're selling it at Apple stores nationwide as well as Micro Center and Fry's. And I like this. They have a brand new uh, educational component. Because really, education, what you do with your computer is just as important as the software you run on. Nod32 for Windows and now ESET Cybersecurity for the Mac. Try it free for 30 days. Go to eset.com slash Mac. And don't forget to like ESET USA on Facebook to stay looped in on contests, special offers, and exclusive content. If you use Windows and now if you use Mac, you need ESET. ESET Cybersecurity for the Mac. Try it free for 30 days. eset.com slash Mac. Uh, back to the phones we go. Uh, Anthony in Azusa. Hello, Anthony. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hi, Leo. Thank you for taking my call. My pleasure. What can I do for you? The other day I was on the computer and I had clicked on a picture of my favorite singer. And when I clicked to enlarge the picture, I got um, this box that said MS tool, removal tool. And it's- ah! So you now were you on Google image search? Yes, it was a Google image. Yeah. Right. So this is a very well-known attack. Oh, this is very frustrating. Uh, it's not Google that's sending this to you, but what happens is people target Google image search with, you know, well-known singers, for instance, the kind of thing people are going to search for, and then they have a poisoned page. The image, you don't even have to go to the page. Clicking on the link in the image search is enough for you to get targeted. Now, the very fact that you saw that pop-up doesn't mean you were bit. No, what I what I understand now, it, first of all, it, it scans the computer. It says I have 38. Inf- it doesn't do anything. That's imaginary. It is fictitious. That's what I'm hearing. I'm doing research. It looks like it's scanning. It's making it, It's go, it, you know, the numbers are going by very quickly. It's all bull hockey. And I, all it wants you to do is, is to click that button that says download and install our software. If you don't do that, you're golden. If you do that, did you do that? I did. I gave him oh. because nothing worked. It took over my computer. No, well, that's not true. It only does that after you install it. The pop-up by itself. Well, tell you what, we have to take a break. I, you know, I have to do this once a, once a week, and I will do it. Leo Laporte's famous patented. What the heck you do if you get bit by these things, and how not to get bit in the first place? Speech. We'll do it after the uh, top of the hour uh, news break. It. Uh, Oh, it's bad. But but you don't have to get bit if you know what you're doing. And that's that's the message I've got for you. And I'll tell you what to do when we come back. Leo Laporte, the tech guy.
Well, a good day to you, Leo Laporte here, the tech guy. And we're talking about technology, computers and the internet and cell phones and home theater and photography and all that fun stuff. Phone number is 888-827-5536. Toll free from anywhere in the U.S. Outside the U.S., just use Skype out and call that number, one 888 827-5536, or, you know, it's easier to remember, 8888-ASK-LEO. Very fun and um, enthusiastic conversation in the chat room about Macs and viruses. You know, it is really the case that we have, uh, those of us who use Macs, have been living in a paradise, watching our friends on the Windows side suffer from malware infections of all kinds. And it is true that there are literally hundreds of thousands of viruses, Trojan horses, phishing scams, and so forth for PCs. And to my knowledge, there's only two for the Mac. So, I mean, that's a pretty good, those odds are good. The question is why? And it's an interesting question. I was uh, quoting uh, an article that I read uh, today on the unofficial Apple weblog, TUAW.com. Uh, the article was titled, Malware, Max, and Crying Wolf, Doing the Math. And here's the issue. Uh, on the one hand, you have people like Ed Bott, who's a PC guy. You know, you really, it does come down a little bit to the religious war between Mac fans and PC fans. Ed Bott's a PC guy. He's a Windows guy, former editor of uh, um, Windows Magazine and so forth. So, you know, he, he, like, he, like, he doesn't like his Macs all that much. Um, who says, hey... Your 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 days are numbered, Mac fans. You know, that, that paradise you've been living in, get ready, because here comes the malware. And then on the other side, you have John Gruber, who writes a blog called Daring Fireball, and is a unabashed, I think it's safe to say he's a Mac fanboy, and really loves his Macs, who says, crying wolf. He says, we've been hearing this since 2004. People have been crying wolf about malware on the Mac. Where is it? Where is it? And uh, as uh, Richard DeGaywood, who writes this article in the unofficial Apple Weblog, points out, you know, even in The Boy Who Cried Wolf, there was a wolf eventually. <laughs> Last time he cried wolf, there was a wolf. So why don't Macs get bit by viruses? Well, there's lots of theories. One theory, which I think has been discredited now, is that they are inherently safer. And in fact, I, I think I was in that boat for a long time. It's certainly true that uh, until recent versions of Windows, Macs were safer. There's no question about that. But in the last few years, Microsoft started to take seriously uh, security, uh, has locked down Windows with UAC and other techniques that make it much, much harder for the bad guys to attack. See, the real truth was, it was harder to attack Macs and trivial to attack Windows for many years, until only about three or four years ago. So if you're a bad guy, bad guys have the same economics as anybody else. They don't want to spend time attacking platforms that uh, are harder to attack or less likely to succeed. They're like Willie Sutton. They rob banks because that's where the money is. They attack Windows because there's hundreds of millions of users, most of whom are unprotected. And that was the case for many years. Why bother attacking a Mac when it's a small market share and it's a little bit harder? Well, as Windows has gotten harder and harder to attack, there's more parity now. It's not that the Mac is unassailable. 
It never has been. It's just that it was a little bit harder, and they didn't have the skills. But now it's harder to attack Windows. It's kind of leveled up the playing field. Furthermore, um, Macintoshes are more prevalent. There are more Macs out there. We don't know exactly what the market share is, but it's likely that somewhere between 11 and 17% of all computers are Macs. Now, when you couple that with the fact that most Windows PCs now are defended, most Windows users have antiviruses, they are smarter than they used to be, Windows is locked down more, and very few Mac owners have antiviruses. Very few Mac owners have done anything to protect themselves. Suddenly the Mac gets more attractive. I do believe it's inevitable we're going to see more attacks. We've only seen two so far. The Mac Defender, which is a, kind of a phishing scam, similar to the one we were just talking about, where you get a pop-up window that says, oh, you're infected. Click here to download a fix. Sometimes they ask for money. Sometimes they say it's free. doesn't matter because all they really need to get you to do is to install that program. And you'll get warned on the Mac. You'll get warned for Mac Defender. You'll get warned and uh, said, we're going to install software. Is that okay? Give me your password. But, of course, you say yes because you you know that. You, ins you want that software. You've been fooled. On the Windows side, UAC may say, wait a minute. Software is trying to install itself. Is that okay? Yes, of course. I want that software. I've got malware. But when you say yes, you're giving permission to the bad guy. So. If you are a Mac user, absolutely, you know, you got to start paying attention to this. Is it a problem yet? Probably not. The other uh, malware that we saw is a, is a kit. There, there are many of these in the uh, Windows world. A kit that uh, a bad guy puts on a website that will attack the Mac, try to take advantage of holes in the Mac. The fact that this kit exists is, should be a little bit scary. So let's go back to Anthony in Azusa. Anthony got tricked. Yeah, I did. You saw that pop-up. I did. And, My question to you, Leo, is why didn't, is it because of the fact that it, this is a fictitious spyware that Nod32 didn't pick it up? Because I, I have Nod32 antivirus installed on my computer, and I wanted to know why. You're saying, how is it that the bad guy saw malware when Nod32 didn't? Right. Well, the bad guy didn't see malware. He told you he saw malware. He lied to you to trick you to get you to download his program. Now, uh, the maybe the more important question is why did Nod32 allow you to install that software? Right, this is right. difficult. This is difficult because Nod32 and any antivirus, of course, is going to try to protect you from bad guys infesting your computer, but they also have to let you install software or you'd get mad. Right. If a security program said, no, you can't install that, but wait a minute, why not? It's your computer. So... This is a real challenge for antivirus companies. They try to look at what you're trying to install. If they see anything suspicious about it, they'll warn you. But they can't stop you from installing software. It's your, you know, otherwise you wouldn't be able to install Microsoft Office or your, you know, your shareware or your games because the software would say, "Well, wait a minute, you can't install." So you see the problem, right? So I ended up giving case, them the in this case, Nod32 uh, looked at it and said, "Man, it looks like he's this guy wants to install some software. We can't see anything wrong with that, so they let you do it." Right. And and anyway, so I I, I gave him the fifty nine dollars and I hit remove. It rebooted and my computer came back to normal. I mean, it's running normal. But in doing research, I had found out about this 
this spyware and they said remove it from your computer delete it from your computer so and they were giving a couple of options and what to do what I did was I system restored it to the following day my question for you Leo did I take all that off because the little I probably not you know Anthony this is the bad news okay there's no way of knowing Mm -hmm. Uh, when you installed that program uh, you installed and you basically, it's as if you'd found a needle on the street and injected it. You don't know what you got. You may have removed it by going back in time. You may remove it by running malware bytes. You might fix yourself from that needle that you'd picked up on the street and injected yourself if you take some penicillin, but you might not. Now, the good news is <laughs> you can fix your computer. What you've got to do, though, really, to be absolutely safe. I have to give you the bad news is get your install disks, wipe that hard drive, back up your data first, wipe that hard drive, reinstall Windows, reinstall your apps and restore your data. That's the only way you can be sure. Now you may say, well, I'm going to take a chance. I'm going to, I'm going to, I don't know if I'm infected or not, but I'm going to take a chance. It seems okay. You could take that chance just to understand you have no way really of knowing for sure. And they do have your credit card info, so I'd, I'd cancel that card. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. If you change your mind, take a chance, on the first in line, on the still free, take a chance on me. Leo Laporte, the tech guy, 88, 88, ask Leo, why are they playing ABBA? That's the question. Take a chance, that's why, because you're taking a chance when you're going on the internet. (laughs) Kyle again. Kyle at it again. Kyle's on the board. Is it Gina running the uh, phones today? Gina Yates on the phone. Kyle, what's your last name? I never say your last name. Benham. It's Benham, but he doesn't want anybody to know because he's in the witness protection program. So just pretend it's another Kyle. 8888-ASK-LEO. That's the number. 888-827-5536. Renee in Colorado. Hi, Renee. You're next. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Actually, it's Jim now. I think I just brought Renee's computer back to life, but we got some concerns. Oh, that's cool. So you're helping Renee. Sure am. And uh, and she said, okay, Jim, while you're working on the computer, I'm going to call Leo. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So let's hear what happened. So it's running XP on a Dell Latitude um, from 2007. So And it was recently installed new RAM and cleaned up. But all of a sudden, out of the blue today, she got hardware warnings left and right, hard disk errors. And yeah. Yeah. All hell broke loose. So... Um, we ran the uh, XP recovery program, and it said it couldn't fix certain things. So we went ahead and bit the bullet and bought that advanced module, and that oh. installed. And I ran that, and now it says every you know Microsoft XP recovery says everything is fine. And it's what did you buy? What what advanced module did you buy? Uh, you know, it's Windows XP recovery, the thing that automatically popped up, and then it said. Oh. When it was done, it said it failed to fix certain issues by this advanced module to fix these issues. And it's just a, a little advanced module now that has a check mark next to it, and it's the Microsoft Windows XP Recovery Advanced Module. 
And, and when we ran that, I run all the diagnostics, and it says your system is in top performance and everything. Yeah. How much did you spend for the advanced module? You know, it was like $79. Hey, you're going to cancel her credit card now. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not kidding. There is no advanced module. That's spyware. Malware. Really? Yeah. Interesting. You just got the same thing the last caller got. Really? Yeah. So, so I, now I'm the bad looking- guys have done two things. And there's... Be- yeah, the reason it fixed it is because they broke it in the first place. So let me explain what happened. I, f- I feel terrible, Jim and Renee. I apologize. It's not Jim's fault. <laughs> so here's what... Ha- Folks, listen to me carefully. Please. This is what the bad guys do. You go to a website or you're looking on the image search on Google and a pop-up comes up. It says, I found spyware. It tricks you into downloading something on there. Or you haven't patched your machine. I bet this is what happened. Renee hadn't patched her machine in a while. They didn't even need to ask you. You go to a website. It says, oh, look, there's all sorts of unpatched flaws in Windows here. Let's just get into that machine and we'll put the pop-up on there. They lock your system down. They keep it from working. They make programs stop running. They put error messages up. Whatever it is they need to do to make it not work. Jim comes over, says, oh, let's uh, let's run the recovery module. Mm, It's not working. Oh, look, here's an advanced module we can buy. That's not from Microsoft. That's from the bad guys. That's the blackmail. We broke your system, and we'll fix it for a small fee. But they don't talk like that. That's the problem. If they talk like that, you'd know. So you spend 79 bucks. They got two things now. You download their program, install it. They got two things. They got your credit card. And you've installed more crap on your computer. Oh, yeah, everything's working fine now. Pay no attention to that computer. We'll just monitor for credit card numbers and, you know, stuff like that. But, no, everything's fine now. So you got tricked twice. I better give this over these rules. And please, folks, listen. When you see a pop-up that says I can fix it, give me your credit card number, download my program, stop. Stop. Don't do it. This is how the Mac Defender one works, too, by the way. Oh. Rule number one. Always, but always, run the critical updates. Every second Tuesday of the month, Microsoft patches Windows. Make sure you're, if you haven't done Windows Update in a while, run it until there are no more critical updates to install. That is number one. You must do that. And if you can't do it, then you're at great risk. Because basically, an update is an announcement to the hacker community. Here's a flaw. Go after it, boys. If you don't make that patch, you're you're wide open. A number two, stop accepting software from strangers. And you know, it might look like it's Microsoft. Don't you think that's easy to do? Yeah. Do you think bad guys hesitate to lie? No. I'm Microsoft. I am here to fix your computer. Don't believe it. Never accept anything that just kind of pops up. If you if you think you want to buy a fix-it tool, you better think twice, and you better go to the page manually, and you better check reviews and make sure. Google, Google. If you had Googled, by the way, Windows XP Advanced Module, you'd have seen the problem immediately. 
the Google is your friend. Please don't fall for this. Now that you have Jim and Renee, Renee, you've got to change that, cancel that credit card. They have your number. You gave them your credit card number. And the only way to fix this reliably, and I'm going to say this, I said it again at the beginning of the hour, I'm going to say it again, is to erase your entire hard drive and start over. I, I really feel terrible about this. It's not your fault. It's very seductive. It's a shame that this is going on. Bad guys have discovered it works very well. As you can see, if you listen to this show, it works very well. I feel, I feel terrible. I don't know what else to say, but that's the truth. And you got bit. Willie in Pennsylvania, please tell me you didn't click on a pop-up and install something on your system. No, not Thank at all. <laughs> okay. Taking my call, Leo. Sure, Willie. Thanks for calling. Um, yeah, my my dad and I listen to your show a lot. Um, and uh, I haven't heard it. Maybe you did, but I haven't heard it. I was I was wondering your opinion on the iPhone four, but not for AT and T, but uh, for Verizon. It's essentially the same. If you get better coverage from Verizon, it'll be a better choice for you. But it's essentially the same phone. I was only talking about it because I actually have one. In fact, that's what I'm talking to you on now. Yeah, it's not. It's no different. It's the same hardware. They just put a CDMA chip in it. As far as antenna gate, as the antenna issues, those are only issues if you have a weak signal. So if you're in a marginal Verizon area, get an AT&T phone. If you're in a marginal AT&T area, get a Verizon phone. If you have a good, strong signal from Verizon, the iPhone 4 is fine. I don't notice a big difference between the... Uh, in terms of data or anything else with the uh, Verizon phone. It's the same. It's exactly the same. Somebody in the chat room is saying, uh, after all these calls about getting bit by spyware, those, uh, those Chrome books are starting to look better and better, aren't they? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. 88, <laughs> oh boy. 88, 88, ask Leo. Let's take some more calls. No more pop-ups, though. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. This portion of the Tech Guy Show is brought to you by Carbonite.com. you got to back it up to get it back, so do it right with Carbonite. Try it free for two weeks. Just go to Carbonite.com and use the offer code Leo, PC or Mac. Let's go uh, above the 49th parallel. Say hello to Wade in Canada. Hello, Wade. <laughs> Good afternoon, Leo. <laughs> Good afternoon. Hello. We're in Canada. That's a big country. Whereabouts in Canada? I'm in uh, Alberta. Just, Alberta. Yeah, about 350 uh, miles north of Great Falls, Montana. <laughs> all right. About, all right. I don't know if you're familiar with it at all. Are, are you familiar with Alberta? 
I have never been, but I hear it's wonderful. I know it's kind of the uh, the Great Plains. Uh, no, not really. No. <laughs> well, it shows what I know. I know Edmonton. I know Edmonton has uh, has uh, oil. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know Calgary has the Stampede. That's right. <laughs> That's about it. <laughs> Absolutely, Calgary Stampede is the uh, greatest outdoor show on earth. I've always wanted to go. Maybe I will someday. You yeah. should. And Banff, you would love. Well, and, uh, and my, my, my uh, erstwhile partner on uh, Canadian television, Amber MacArthur, has spent much uh, time in Banff and just loves it. I'd love to go there sometime. Oh, yeah, you would. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I have, uh, I have oil on my property right here. So. Well, I hope you can clean it up. <laughs> no. It's being Do you have a pump? Do you actually have a pump on your uh, property? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, there's two of them. That's good. Does, do you make some money on that? A little bit, yeah. Not, yeah, that's cool. Yeah, it, it works out. It'll, that's cool. Well, next time I drive uh, uh, to San Francisco, I'll thank, I'll thank you, Wade. <laughs> You're very I'll welcome. Say, that, gallon, that gallon came from Wade in Alberta. <laughs> You're very welcome. You can you can have all you can afford to purchase, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is not much. We're almost five bucks a gallon here in California. I know, I know. Yeah. What is it now? Sarah Jane's visiting from Essex. What is get? What is now? I know you buy fuel by the liter. What is it per liter in uh, the UK? Oh, a dollar thirty-five a liter. Yeah, it's... a pound dollar a pound thirty-five per liter. So somebody in the chat room, figure out what that is in dollars per gallon. That's, I bet it's about five bucks a gallon. I bet it's in that ballpark, but I don't know. More? Seven? Eight? It's a lot. What can I do for you, Wade? Okay, we were talking before, a couple of months ago, uh, about uh, my HTC phone that I bought, and, and you lost me somewhere. I in- lost you? Yeah. Oh, no. Well, what, well, but you're here now, so what can we do? Well, I'm not on the HTC phone. I tried using it to call you, and... I couldn't. I, oh, I see. You were on the cell phone and it dropped out. I get it. Okay. Yeah. By the way, that's eight dollars twenty six cents for the gallon. Yeah. Wow. And we're complaining about five bucks. You'd be happy. You'd be happy to have five bucks a gallon. Yeah, it's a dollar twenty four or a dollar twenty five a liter here. Oh, I see. It's yeah. Yeah, it's high. So what? So you do you do you like? Is it is it an Evo? Did you get an Evo? What did you get? No, I got an HTC uh, Legend. Legend. Okay. Yeah, it's uh, it's. I don't know what the similarity is down there, but this is uh, through Bell, and I'm not I'm not on the HTC phone right now. I'm on my uh, CDMA uh, Telus phone. Okay. And uh, anyway, I was wondering about unlocking it, like. Uh, jailbreaking whatever you want to call yeah, it's it. an android it's an android phone um and generally uh the older android phones this one's about a year old are pretty easy to unlock it just takes a little while for the uh unlocker folks to figure it out unlocking a uh an android phone is called rooting it and it's and it really it's funny it's really designed to be rooted google in fact they uh they uh, announced these uh, chrome netbooks and we're very proud to say uh uh, we encourage rooting. We make sure it's root ready. 
all rooting means is we're going to modify this phone so that I can I have full super user privileges. Uh, I'm an administrator. Most other phone systems, it's a little tricky, as you know. The uh, Apple, it's kind of the cat and mouse game between Apple uh, and the iPhones and people who want to jailbreak it. But it's pretty simple to do so on a uh, on an Android phone. The next step, of course, besides rooting, is to put custom ROMs on it, uh, like the Cyanogen ROM, which give you more capabilities. Oftentimes, are better written than the software that HTC provides. I would go to, uh, this is the website I'd go to, xda-developers.com. Uh, this, is, this has become kind of the site to go to where you can find out you know, what's possible with your device. They have a big device database there that'll say, A, how to root it, and B, uh, uh, if you uh, want to put custom ROMs on which ROM you need, what, what to do, what the process is, and so forth. So just just search for your legend on XDA Developers. There'll be a whole thread there. I would read as much as you can before you do anything. Make sure you find out if there are issues and so forth. It looks like there's quite a few uh, hacks available for the legend. So that's pretty pretty straightforward. Uh, The legend looks a little bit like a, a desire to me. I'm not sure exactly what they call it here in the States, or even if it's available in the States. But thanks for the call, Wade. I appreciate it. The Gizwiz is coming up in a bit with a gadget. Dick DiBartolo, Mad Magazine's maddest writer. He has some great gadgets for us. His uh, gadget of the day or of the week will be coming up uh, at 47 after the hour. But let us continue on with the calls. Mark in Newport, you're next. Hey, Mark. Hello, Leo. Welcome. What can I do for you? uh, Thanks for taking my call, and thanks for the great program. This is the first time I've ever... My pleasure. Well, it's about time. (laughs) I'm a realtor in Newport Beach. Uh, I got to start making some videos, house tours and stuff. Post them yes, online. you do. Yes, you do. The other guys are. You better do it. Um, I was with a pretty good marketing outfit this week, and they were recommending. I need, you know, I've never owned a camcorder, and they said, "Well, the Canon Vixia line's pretty good. You need a wide-angle lens." Um, yeah, that's a lot easier because when you get into a tight quarters, let's say a pantry, yeah, um, most uh, camcorders are a little telephoto. They won't. You won't be able to, to see it. Um, so a wide angle is a good idea. We actually just bought 20 Canon Vixias, the HF tens, HF, HFG tens, uh, for our new studio. That's what we're going to use in the new studio. So I would concur. They're very good camcorders, but I don't know if you frankly even need that good a camcorder. Would you, I, you know, I definitely need the wide angle lens. So what would you say would be, you know, <sighs> well, uh, Canon does make a wide-angle lens that you can screw onto almost any of their camcorders. That's probably the reason why uh, this marketing firm recommended that, and I think I think they're right. Um, so I mean, but they're, uh, but they're pricey. I mean, the the the, the G10s we're buying are fifteen hundred bucks. They're expensive camcorders, right? So can they, I? They're certainly good. I think they're better than you need. They're going to give you image quality that's uh, way too good uh, for the for the web. Yeah. You know, you, do you have an iPhone? No, I don't. I got a droid. A droid, okay. Because yeah. uh, there's a company called Owly, O-W-L-E, that makes a thing called the Bubo. Terrible name. Great little device. It's about 150 bucks. It is a wide-angle adapter for an iPhone and a holder, and it gives you wide-angle. You probably can find a wide-angle lens for your smartphone, your Android phone, believe it or not. And that the video on that's pretty darn good. All right. If I want to go with a camcorder, what would you recommend? I love the, the you can't go wrong with a Canon. Just get the cheapest one that that can support the 
wide-angle lens because it's the Vixia, for instance, the G10, way too good for what you want to do. If you want to do broadcast television from your house. No, 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 I don't need that. Excellent. <laughs> That's what we're buying. Vixias, I, I don't know, they're running from like 400 to, like you said. Yeah. Get the cheapest one that will, they all have threads, I think. They all support that Canon wide angle. I think that's fine. That's a good choice. Get the cheapest one you can. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Waning minutes of the tech guy show. Wow, we're selling bricks fast. I'm kind of surprised. This is exciting. Dick D. Bartolo is on the line. He is the uh, Gizwiz. Dick D. Bartolo, you might know that name as uh, Mad Magazine's maddest writer, but he's also a gadget hound, and he's been a m- big fan of gadgets for decades and joins us every week at this time. Have you bought a brick yet, Dick? Uh, no, but Myra is uh, mixing sand now. and <laughs> You know, a number of people said, oh, I won't buy a brick. I'll send you one. And I think that they, I don't think they understand fully the point of this. This is a fundraiser. This is not, we have bricks. We don't need bricks. Oh, it's not like. It's a money-making <laughs> it's a scheme. It's a profit deal. <laughs> oh, I get it now. <laughs> We're going to have the uh, entryway to the new studios is going to uh, be bricked uh, with uh, commemorative bricks, and people are buying them. Uh, it's, a, it's a fundraiser, and I'm not a nonprofit. I, I hope you don't think it's tax deductible, but we'll get you a brick, Dick. I'll, I'll oh. only charge you twice the normal rate. Oh, okay, very good. I will be offering uh, three-by-five index cards <laughs> that will go on my apartment door. But that'll be after your fundraiser. After your fundraiser. <laughs> That's a good over. idea. Yeah. Get, a, get an index card. So, Dick, what's yeah. your uh, what's your gadget of the week this week? Oh, uh, a neat little gadget from Verilux, and I I checked just before we started talking to make sure that they're still offering this. Uh, it's a rechargeable travel lamp. Now, Verilux, they're famous. They do natural spectrum lighting so that it's more like daylight. And and back in the days when I was sad. That was before the Daily Giz was, I was a sad Now you're happy. <laughs> now I'm a happy a person. Seasonal so, affect so, disorder syndrome. Disorder. Exactly. Yeah. When, when, when days get short and nights get longer, I got sadder. But anyway, Verilux makes uh, every kind of natural spectrum light. But this is the first portable one that I know of, and it's 11 LEDs. It folds up. And what's great about it, and, and for some reason it's not marked on the box, you can charge it from an AC outlet and then take it anywhere and it'll run for four hours. Um, but in the box is a USB cable. What, what makes it great is if you're using this on an airplane or something or a hotel where there's no light at the desk, you can actually power it and charge it from the laptop. So as you're wow. working, you're, you're using the lamp. And as I said, the great thing is the list price is 30 bucks. And right now it's fourteen ninety eight half price. Is it pretty bright? It's very brightly. It's it's eleven uh, full spectrum LEDs. It's not a high low. It just comes on or off. And if you uh, have if you have uh, SADS, which means that when we get to the shorter days of the year, we're getting the longer days now. But the shorter days of the year, you 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 miss that sunlight and it kind of depresses you. 
you would just shine that in your eyes and then it would be like you're in the sun. That, that is one. I don't, I don't know if you would do it with this particular thing, but they do make lamps that have a diffuser on it. And the idea was that you would, depending on how bright it was, there was some that you would sit and look at. Um, actually, what I did is I, I bought a, a spotlight that was uh, balanced for sunlight and I put it in my backyard and it would go on with a timer, and no matter when I would wake up, it would look like the sun was out. I bet it your really neighbors worked. loved that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is they got a nuclear reactor down there? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, what are you? Hey, I had to take a pee at 4 a.m. I'm sorry to wake you up. <laughs> What's going on? It's the brightest hey, uh, light listen, I ever saw. It doesn't saw. make noise. I could have a rooster. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's cool. So Verilux, V-E-R-I-L-U-X. and it's their rechargeable travel lamp, and it's at uh, verilux.com. That's where you can get it for fourteen ninety eight plus shipping. Dick, we uh, stick around. We're going to do the Daily Gizwiz, actually the weekly Daily Gizwiz show right after yeah. the radio show. But uh, uh, thank you for your clever little gadget. Don't forget Dick's uh, website, gizwiz.biz. He's Mad Magazine's saddest writer and the Gizwiz. <laughs> Just every yes. week. Get it? Get it? You have yeah, I got some, it. I got yeah, it. It was yeah. very good. It was very, very good. It was subtle. It was a subtle. You joke. should think of a career in broadcast. Maybe not. <laughs> you should think of something besides a career in broadcasting. Thank you, Dick. We'll talk in a few minutes. Don't I'll go anywhere. Here. Okay. Meanwhile, we're going to get, We I think we have time for a couple more calls, and I'm going to, I think, next get to Jeff in Pennsylvania. He's looking for a hard drive for an old computer. I'm sure the chat room can help you there, Jeff, but we'll get to that in a minute. First, I want to tell you about Carbonite. It's backup done right, Carbonite.com. Check it out. You can for free for two weeks, Mac or PC. If you use my name, Leo, you don't need a credit card number or anything. Just try it. Here's what will happen. You install Carbonite on your computer, laptop, desktop, whatever you got, and, uh, and it will uh, start backing up immediately as long as you're online. Your personal files, your, your financial records, your photos, that stuff you can't afford to lose, up to the cloud, up to the Internet, up to the Carbonite servers where they're backed up even more. You can further encrypt them if you want. It is secure uh, in its transmission, but you can add encryption so no one can see them. Completely private. Now, here's the beauty part. You don't have to wait till a disaster happens. Anywhere you go, you log on to the Carbonite account, even on your smartphone, your iPhone, your BlackBerry, your Android phone, and there's your data, your files. It's, it's online storage. Plus, of course, if the worst happens, you lose that laptop, somebody steals your stuff, your hard drive dies, you've got a great backup, a backup that's always safe, always secure, no matter what happens. I want you to try it right now. Go to Carbonite.com. Use my name, Leo, for 15 days free. If you decide to buy, you'll get 14 months for the price of 12. Two free months when you use my name. It's very affordable, by the way. $5 a month for unlimited backup. All the personal data on your internal drive. you got to back it up to get it back. So do it right with Carbonite. Offer code Leo. Jeff in Pennsylvania. Hi, Jeff. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Hello. How are you doing? I'm very well. Welcome to the show. Um, I listen to you occasionally on XM. I'm a long-haul truck driver. But um, I've kind of always had a knack for computers one way or the other. Back when I owned my own business, I got into DOS computers. And I've got an old Epson Equity One DOS computer at the house. I've been looking high and low to find a 20-meg hard drive because I'd like to breathe life back into this thing and be able to <laughs> access my old five-and-a-quarter-inch floppies. <laughs> Uh, well, this would be fun. This is a great project. So, is that a DOS computer? What? It's not a Windows computer. It is a DOS computer. Uh, the software I run on that thing that I really, truly love 
uh, is IBM's uh, planning assistant and IBM filing assistant. And uh, wow. Uh, yeah, and they were fantastic pieces of software. Back in, back in the day when I bought that computer, uh, the hard the, the computers are actually gotten to the point where you could actually do something with it, but software was hurting. There was right. no software written for what the computers were capable of doing. So basically, if you had half of the, if you had the time to sit down, you could take a blank sheet like IBM filing assistant, IBM planning assistant and customize it and build your own sheet the way you wanted it. And it had very few restrictions if you built it that way. I, this is great. I, lo- I mean, I, I, you, it may be a little nostalgia. I think you might get this thing running and go, oh, <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's, that's true. Um, well, I've already- uh, is it, were they IDER hard drives? I don't even know if they were IDE from that era. That's that's the problem. I haven't broke the thing on open to find out if it was a two wire two wire setup or or the. It uh, may not even have. I mean, I'm looking at some models that didn't even have hard drives. They had dual floppies, and that was it. Yeah, no, no, that's the model before this. This is this is the when they first came out with 20 meg hard drives. Yeah, yeah, I remember those Seagate MFM drives. They had, uh, and I'm I'm looking on eBay, and somebody's selling selling 20 meg. Believe it or not, uh, Connor hard drives. I don't. The problem now. The good news is they're only twenty dollars. Yeah. I don't know if they would work, and that's kind of you know that's kind of the question. Well, I've, that's the problem. I've I've already been on eBay once and bought another. Somebody had uh, uh, IBM um, uh, Epson Equity One, and uh, I bought the thing, received it, and kind of got it to breathe back in the life. But it was the model one up from mine. Okay. So consequently, it would load the software, but. The thing was on its last leg, and then I made the flawed mistake of letting somebody younger than my computer touch it. <laughs> you know, I just, I, you know, nobody, obviously nobody's making these hard drives anymore. Not. So you're going to be getting a used one no matter what. And I think eBay is going to be your, your best bet. I don't think anybody will still sell new ones, to be honest with you. So um, uh, I would just keep shopping around on eBay that, as you as you note. It's not even enough just to get one that was for a later equity. You need <laughs> you need one for that particular Epson Equity one, and uh, you know it's too bad there's not a reverse eBay where you could go on and say I need. Is there anything like that where not I'm selling, I'm buying. I would like PacificGeek.com apparently is still selling twenty megabyte MFM hard drives. These are Seagate ST412s. This might be what you'd need. It's $293. Uh, the cost per megabyte is a little high. I mean, we're talking these days, you know, maybe what, 10 cents a gigabyte? These are $20 a megabyte. I'm sorry. That's, yeah, $20 a megabyte. I don't know. You know, try them. PacificGeek.com. Leo Laporte, the tech guy. Have a great geek week.